Welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. This podcast is presented by the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation and hosted by our CEO, Jamie Irvin. At the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation, we work with manufacturers, distributors, and repair shops who want to grow their business. Do you have a problem that you would like some help with? We have developed fault codes for heavy duty parts businesses, just like they have for commercial trucks. Find out how many fault codes your business has and how you stack up against dozens of other heavy-duty parts businesses. Head to heavydutyconsulting.com and schedule a meeting with us today. All right, let's start this episode. You're listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and this is the podcast where you're going to get expert advice about the heavy-duty parts you buy, and you're also going to find out what's going on in the industry. This episode is sponsored by truckpartscross.com. With over 1.5 million crosses and counting, you can find just about any part you're looking for on truckpartscross.com. In today's episode, we are going to discuss shop management software. Some of the audience have actually requested an episode about shop management software, and so I found none other than Jacob Findlay, CEO and founder of FullBay. Jacob, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jamie. Happy to be here. Did you have a background in working in a repair shop when you founded your company and started FullBay? I did. Uh, I'm a CPA originally by trade, so worked in finance and uh, eventually uh, spent time working in a repair shop and saw the pain firsthand. And uh, that was part of what helped us launch the company. Okay. so, So you were working on the financial end of it. You saw some pain. What problem exactly does Full Bay solve for repair shop owners? Uh, a few. Uh, one of the biggest problems is the problem of uh, owners not spending time with their family. So the overarching thing is getting these owners, um, helping them get in, get their work done, and then get home to their family. So not just on the weekdays, but a lot of them, uh, their weekends are consumed. Uh, at the shop, invoicing and uh, doing other things, um, get, getting them their weekends back as well. So getting them freed from the shop and home to the family and friends. Let's talk a little bit more about how you actually accomplish that. Because I think there's a, there's a big leap from downloading and using your software or however it's used, whether it's cloud-based, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but using your software and suddenly having freedom and flexibility in your schedule as a small business owner for a repair shop. There's obviously a few steps in there. Let's break it down and talk about some of the specifics. So I mentioned I worked in a shop. So uh, in my role in finance, um, I have a software background, right? And was uh, in the CFO role of a software company that was and had done a couple of these, right? That were focused on electronic medical records. And a good friend of mine had a shop and was complaining about not being able to find software. So um, I actually. Uh, quit my job as a CFO to go work in a truck repair shop to see some of this stuff firsthand. And the, in terms of the problems, you would see one of the first things I noticed as a finance person was you walk into the office and there's paper everywhere. So stacks of invoices. And you see this to this day. The, this particular shop was about a month behind on invoicing. Let's just say if you're trying to satisfy customers, that does not help. So the process of actually billing a customer for a repair in a lot of these commercial repair shops is extremely involved. And to get caught up, I brought in outside help 
uh, contractors to just basically do data entry because what you're doing is um, work orders, usually on paper, even if you're using software, a lot of the solutions um, that were built in you know, the 80s, 90s, even early 2000s, they still involve printing something out on paper. So you're handing the work to the technician and um, some stuff's printed, but a lot of the stuff the tech puts on there is handwritten into a packet. Parts managers handwriting stuff, service is preparing an estimate. So all these different pieces of the repair are getting collected along the way on paper. And then the, the office has to assemble all that, translate chicken scratch into a computer, make sure everything's marked up, make sure they haven't forgotten parts, forgotten to build parts, which is a huge problem. And uh, so on average, we timed it because uh, I had to estimate how long this was going to take to catch up. And it was about 35 minutes per job just to invoice one job. So that's the huge piece of it. Uh, so I, I remember talking to an owner and that's what he did on his weekends. He would bill all the jobs from that week. He'd go through the huge stack of paper and bill all the jobs. It was done Sunday night, ready for the next week, right? Well, what, kind of li- what kind of a life is that? So solves that. But like I mentioned, like all along through the process, there's bits of information that are getting collected on paper. So the idea is eliminate all of that so that we get the technicians on a tablet. Repair request first comes in, it's entered. So we are cloud-based. So it's entered either from the customer portal or they call up the shop and enter it. And whoever takes the phone call is entering it right into full bay. Then all the way through the process, it's handled electronically. So papers basically eliminated from the process. Um, each touch point in the work order is handled digitally. So by the time it comes to invoicing the job, it's really just the click of a button. Parts are marked up correctly. Uh, labor's handled, all this stuff. And then, you know, most of these shops, uh, you know, these independent shops are on like QuickBooks and it will drop the invoice into QuickBooks automatically. So that, um, that's one piece of what we do. Um, but that right there is a massive benefit for like the owner that's spending his weekend invoicing. Um, when we turned it on there, we actually had a person in the office that we had to completely repurpose. She literally had, once we turned it on in the pilot shop where I was working, she literally had nothing to do the next day. This is the person that did the invoicing. You know, you, you try to repurpose that role and so forth. But, um, but yeah, so that's, that's one of the benefits. One of the things that I have seen in a lot of industry is that they don't get paid net 30. Sometimes it's net 60. It can be as much as net 90 if you're working in oil and gas or in some of the other industrial sides of the business. I can only imagine that if you're 30 to 40 days behind on invoicing, you're compounding a cash flow problem for yourself, but you're also negatively impacting your customer because that person thinks they've made more money than they have. They're waiting for their receivables. They finally get their receivables after, let's say, 45 to 60 days, and then boom, a bill from you shows up. Now they're short on cash, and they're going to have to short pay you until they can catch up because that money that they thought they had coming in was already allocated to other expenses. So on the surface, it's an obvious problem. But when you go below the surface, man, do I ever see how much of an impact on the total performance of the business that would be? And as someone who owned a contracting business, I know what it's like to get a large job only to have a lot more work to do. And so in that example of the owner who basically spent his whole weekends catching up on paperwork, more jobs in the week, eventually he's just going to run out of flat run at a time and it's not scalable. Yeah, I can tell. Uh, I can tell that you have run your own business because only uh, 
only a business owner would understand the pain involved in essentially being a bank. I mean, you're, you're running a business and now I have to be a bank. I am extending credit to customers. I have to pay someone to do collections. And even worse, you hit it right on. I mean, so I mentioned the shop was a month behind in invoicing. Um, they were also way behind in collections and, uh, which is endemic. It's like, you see this all the time. So you're right. So what happened was, you know, you lean on your customers, you know, you're, you're using up some goodwill with your customers to get them to pay. So you lean on them, you get them to pay, but then you go and you get caught up on invoicing and you figure out, Oh, they are back to being 90 days past due because we just got their invoices done from you know, two months ago or whatever. Cause it, you know, some of them were stragglers. They're even older than a month. Um, and we actually lost some customers over that because they were, it was, it's an emotional thing and they're small businesses too. And they lose confidence in your ability to, you know, if they can't get their act together in the back office, how am I trusting them with the equipment that I use to make money? Right. So, so yeah, I mean, we could, uh, we could, we could do a whole episode about, about that and, uh, yeah, do you really want to be a bank and, and that kind of thing? So. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing too, is on the part side, because of all this chicken scratch, because of all this paper that's floating around, it's coming from multiple sources. So as a repair shop, you put forth an estimate on the repairs. Then because of the inefficiency of the process and the system, the customer is surprised with a extra bill for a part that he wasn't expecting because honestly, you didn't know about it until at the end of the process. There's an emotional impact there too, because the customer starts to think, why did they not disclose that at the beginning? What are they hiding? And honestly, most, I mean, I've dealt with repair shops, probably over 500 of them in my career. And I very rarely have come across a repair shop owner that's a crook that's trying to take advantage. But sometimes that implication is, is or perception, yeah, is made without even, you know, it's just because the system that they're using is not as efficient as it could be. So I see right away what you're describing as having that immediate financial benefit, but also the credibility with your customer. And that is scalable. The two big ways that you stay in business as a repair shop is to um, do high quality repairs and do them with integrity so that you, uh, and so that's how you satisfy the customer. You could, you could do great repairs, but not act with integrity and you're going to drive customers away. Um, you could act with integrity, but do terrible repairs and you're going to drive customers away. You have to, you have to be competent and you have to act with integrity. So yeah, uh, one, one thing that, um, man, when you're, when you're bundling together, um, back to the invoicing example, uh, a bunch of paperwork. We hear it all the time from shops that are onboarding with full day that they, one of their biggest problems is forgetting to build parts. And uh, we talk about this all the time. I mean, it, maybe you leave a hundred dollar part off a job. It may not seem like a, like a huge deal, but from a finance perspective, uh, I started my career in uh, with a Deloitte and Touche, one of the big accounting firms. And we did forensic audits and, and fraud investigations and so forth. And one of the things you learn in fraud is a hundred dollar fraud um, is actually a big deal because if you're running, I mean, say you're a grocery store, right? Running at you know, 1% profit margin, you have to do $10,000 worth, worth of business to make up for a hundred dollars of lost product. So a shop is going to do better than that. But let's say a shop's running at 10%. You got to do $1,000 worth of work to make up for that one part that you left off. And it adds up. It's usually way more than $100 in a given month. 
and then from the just from the parts uh, from the parts side of it, as a as a parts dis- distributor, we often are looked at like a necessary evil, not as a profit making opportunity. And I think a lot of the time, it's because of that. It's that yeah, but you're not billing all the parts you're using, so it makes it so that there's a lot less margin in the parts you do sell. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you hit a point earlier there. There's always, it's emotional. It's less emotional commercial repair than retail repair. And we focus hundred percent on commercial repair. Um, but you would rather have the customer feel the pain and the emotion of the total dollar amount of the repair before the repair happens while they're feeling the pain of not having that truck in service. They're not making money with it then at the end. So one of the crucial things. And one of the things you're able to do using full bay is quickly produce an estimate that is to the penny accurate with parts markup and all that. And uh, we put common sense financial controls in place to make sure the parts don't get left off because there's some cool stuff that we built around that. So when you send the estimate to the customer to get authorized, they're going to see the total dollar amount of that bill. And it it's they, they feel the negative emotion like, oh man, that's a lot, but I really need this truck back in service. All right, authorized, right? They get it authorized. The repair keeps going. Tech, tech season on their tablet, gets going on the repair. You can auto order the parts. They come in and all that happens. So that when they get time to see the invoice, the emotion's gone. You've drained the emotion out of the situation. They're like, yeah, I remember that. No problem. Paid. And uh, so not only does it solve the problem of parts not getting included, uh, but it also solves the problem of the customer first feeling that emotion um, at the invoicing stage, you, you do it at the estimate stage. So it matches the time where they're feeling the pain of the truck being out of service. And I think that helps a lot with, with satisfying the customer. It feels better, even though the shop may be acting with integrity, like you were saying earlier, the perception is even stronger that these guys are making an upfront agreement with me that it's going to be X and there's no surprises at the end. And most repair shops are dealing with either owner operators or small fleets that are independently owned. So don't forget that that from the perspective of the truck owner or the fleet owner, they're saying, okay, I make X amount of money with this truck per day. I have to spend this much on the repair. That's going to impact my cash flow in this way. Now that I know that, I can make adjustments as necessary. Then you hit them with a surprise and that's when the emotion goes through the roof. Right. You lose customers that way. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Now, before we kind of got deeper in the weeds on some of the uh, financial implications, you talked about the shortage of people in the industry, especially on the technician side. This seems to be a burning question for most repair shop owners. I just talked to one recently, and he expressed that his business is running at 60% of its total capacity because of the fact that he has been unable to get enough qualified drivers and technicians in his shop to be able to make his business run as well as it could. And keep in mind, I live in Alberta right now where we are in a very steep decline in industry and in available work. And he's still feeling the financial crunch where he could do a lot more. So right away, when I hear that this might help with that, I think a lot of people are going to be interested. So can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Um, So if if you find a technician who's good, um, good, better, best, right? Ideally, you find the tech that's just incredible. But um, if you find a technician that you can plug in and can make money for you, the last thing you want that technician to be doing is standing around waiting for things to happen or having to do things that somebody else could do. So it kind of runs a scale, right? You could be a, we call it a lone wolf technician, somebody who's just out mobile service truck doing their stuff. Uh, a lot of those guys use full bay, love it because it, it automates so much of the process. But 
you then you as a lone wolf you're going out you're getting your own parts you're dealing directly with the customer to get authorization you're you know you're pricing the parts too on the front end so as the shop scales you want as much as possible you want to take the burden off the technicians and get them turning wrenches as much as possible and there's there's different incentives that you can put in place to help the technicians where it's legal some shops will do um you know flat rate pay them that way or have some kind of efficiency bonus but just looking at the whole workflow of a of a of a job so truck comes into a shop it's broken down needs to get fixed so getting it from that point to the other end where it's fixed and then you can build a customer, that whole process, you want the technicians not having to, so back to my example, when I you know, went to work in a shop, you would see every morning or at the beginning, we had three shifts. When the technicians showed up for their shift, they would all line up in front of the service manager's desk waiting to get an assignment and they've already clocked in. I mean, they're on the clock waiting to get an assignment and um, you solve some of that uh, with a paper-based system by using a rack, but then uh, there's questions and so forth. And, um, and uh, there's always a case where the service manager needs to step in. So the way you assign them, we've solved that with um, you assign them, it pops up on their tablet. They know exactly what need to do, they need to do. They know exactly what the priority is and the sequence of jobs. They can just go do it. No standing around. So you're eliminating the standing around throughout the process, waiting for an assignment, waiting for a part to get priced and a job to get authorized. Um, you know, it would take us sometimes two, three days to get a job estimate put together because of all the moving pieces. And we've solved that by being able to quickly get a quote request either over email or electronically and uh, mark up the parts automatically. So you can quickly shoot the estimate to the customer they see it on their phone, they can authorize it and so forth and get things going. And same thing with parts ordering. So what we've done is as much as possible in 2019, eliminated the standing around for technicians so that they can quickly see the jobs they need to diagnose, see the jobs they need to repair, and just keep the techs turning wrenches as much as possible and not standing around. And, uh, and we continue to study that. I mean, we're very data-based. So going on site, um, applying um, you know, the best practices out there for lean, you know, leaning out processes, essentially, and then baking that into the app and making it more and more efficient. So to kind of summarize, I mean, if you can find a technician, you want to make the absolute best use of that technician as possible. And that's what you have to do today in the technician's shortage. Um, not only that, you know, a lot of the younger technicians that, that are coming in, they get frustrated with a paper-based system. You know, they're like, it's 2019. I, what, I can't even, my hand cramps up after writing one sentence, you know? Like, why are you making me do this? Plus, I have to turn wrenches. Uh, they expect there to be technology. So, that's another thing. I mean, it helps to attract technicians by being, by using the latest tools. I mean, technically you could remove a lug wrench with a screwdriver, uh, but why not use an impact wrench, right? So it's 2019. You could technically run a shop with paper, but what we've done is essentially given, given, we are giving the shops the impact wrench. The problem with having the all-star technician is that you're also a little bit at the mercy of that technician. So depending on what mood they're in that day, or depending if they want to stay with you at all and don't want to leverage their excellence somewhere else for higher pay, which is their right. And so they should. So as a business owner, when I was running my contracting business, I was never looking for the all-stars. I was looking for people who were competent to run the system that I had created so that they would do a repeatable, consistent, predictable result for our customers. I am immediately seeing how you have given the 
business owner, the repair shop owner, you've empowered them to create that system. How do we take a truck from rolling into the shop broken down to rolling out an invoice? And how do we make that a repeatable process as efficient as possible? That's going to take good technicians and make them great in the minds of your customers. Beautiful. That is wonderful. Yeah. I mean, uh, in any hiring process, you want to have high yield, low maintenance employees. You want them to produce as much yield as possible with as little maintenance necessary. And uh, yeah, so if you if you, you find one of those technicians that can bill 70 hours in a 45-hour work week and they're low maintenance, you would, lo- you would fill your shop with those guys or women. Now, very hard to find though. And uh, so, yeah, uh, we definitely help to, help to uh, you know, there's a saying, you, you, you go to war with the army you've got, right? So we help you um, essentially run a repair shop with the realities of the technician shortage. Yeah, that's fantastic. So if someone wants to demo your solution, is there a way for them to easily do that? Yeah, go to fullbay.com and uh, just click request a demo. We'll have somebody will call you super quick and uh, we'll walk you through it. See the pain points you guys are experiencing in your shop and show you how Fullbay could solve that. And uh, got a lot of happy customers and we're excited to help you out. You've been listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and we've been speaking with Jacob Findlay of Full Bay. As he mentioned, you can go to fullbay.com. I will put links in the show notes so it's a one-click from the podcast. And I again, I wanted to express my appreciation for coming on and talking about your your solution because I think that we it's important to talk about parts. It's important to talk about technicians, but it's also important to empower our industry and get people in a position where they can be successful. So thank you again. Yeah, thank you, Jamie. Great, great to be on. Have you subscribed to the podcast yet? Go to heavydutypartsreport.com to listen to and subscribe to the podcast. And remember to focus on cost per mile over purchase price. And let's keep those trucks and trailers rolling. HDA Truck Pride is the heart of the independent parts and service channel. They have 750 parts stores and 450 service centers conveniently located across the U.S. and Canada. Visit heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride today to find a location near you. Again, that's heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride and let the heart of the independent service channel take care of your commercial equipment.